Jesus had just left off John chapter 5. Um, he had done the second of seven signs, right? Uh, he wanted them to believe in him, to trust him for salvation, um, not just part of the miracles or, you know, being a miracle worker. While that's important, um, the example of the Samaritan, you know, God for us to have a heart to reach the lost, no matter what they look like, no matter what they're from, no matter any of that, right? God is desiring to save all of the lost, all that don't know him, all that are not in a personal relationship with him. And so as we come to this next chapter, he's going to talk about this a man who has been infirm for some, uh, I believe it's 38 years, if my memory serves me correctly. 38 years. You know, we think of, of illnesses and, you know, I don't know about you, I'm sick for more than a few days. Uh, you know, Lisa, hold my hand. I'm dying. You know, here I come. You know, I mean, I'm Oh, I'm a baby. Well, I mean, if you serve here, you already probably know that, right? But, you know, I get the coughs and the whole thing, you know. But some of us are like that, right? You're, you know, a week or more, and you're like, ah, 38 years. And God is going to go, and he's going to, you know, the culture of that day, maybe the superstition of that day, we're not entirely sure. So if you go to this pool, and there's this area, and there's these five porches and everything. And if you set your bed down and, and you could somehow compete, that doesn't sound like the Lord, to get your butt in that water first, then you're going to get healed by God or one of the angels. Clearly, we know that's not scriptural in how God tells us he heals. It's not a competition. Whoever gets to church first gets the healing for the day, right? He doesn't, he doesn't do that. But that was what was taught. Can you imagine? Almost like a lottery. So for 38 years, this man is, he's showing up. He's there every single day because he doesn't want to say, and he just, he's waiting just so he can jump in that water and get healed. And just, maybe today is going to be his day. Can, 38 years, talk about commitment, right? This man, very sick. We're going to actually learn that some part or a reason for his sickness had to actually do with his sin. Now, this is not saying that, every, I want to be very clear, this is not saying that everyone that's sick, that everyone that has a, an ankle or a knee or something out of whack or a back out of whack, it's because there's sin in your life. That's not biblical. That's not biblical whatsoever. But many times, we're called to examine our hearts to see if there is sin, because that could be one of the reasons. As a matter of fact, that was protection. This illness and sickness, believe it or not, was protecting this man, as we're going to read uh, in verse 14, if we should get that far this morning, that it was to protect him from a worse thing that could have happened to him. So let's bow our heads and we'll pray. Father, uh, we do thank you, Jesus Christ, that we come here together, um, one body of believers, Lord, the body of Christ, we thank you that you've knit us together. Thank you that you've given us weather to drive in here. It wasn't two foot of snow, Lord. We thank you for that. We do pray, Jesus Christ, that um, as you do go before us, that, oh Lord, you would give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear, Lord. We pray that we would not be conformed to this world, but transformed, Lord, by the reading of your word here this morning. Give us the right hearts to hear these things, Jesus Christ. We ask this and pray this in your mighty name, Jesus, and all God's people pray. Amen. Please look at chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. 
having five porches. In there lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well, whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity of 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he was already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? You think, what kind of question is that? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into this pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, and he took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said to him, Who was cured? It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. In other words, carrying a burden. So two things they're trying to get him on. And he answered them, and he who made them well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. He's describing sort of the miracle that way. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who has healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have made what you've been made well, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Whole lot going on here, right? Maybe you've read this passage, maybe been through this passage before, individually, family, uh, maybe even corporately at other church somewhere. Um, And you've read this, and maybe you've tried to reconcile this passage because it does seem a little bit like a competition. It does seem like a lottery, and it doesn't at all seem like anything like Jesus Christ and how he's compassionate and he heals and why he would have something like this where there would be an angel signed and, you know, it's a competition to get in the water so you can get healed and, uh, t- you know, sorry, tough luck to everyone else. And it just doesn't even sound right. Scholars have wrestled with this passage for years and I really just don't think we need to. I think it's, it's pretty obvious what's going on here that there, there was either a superstition, a culture. I mean, something had to have happened one time or another because somebody got the idea that this could happen and they thought, well, it's a possibility so much so that they, this man was willing to camp out there for what? 38 years. So he believed it was clearly possible to be healed uh, in this water, right? In this, some of you have gone to Israel. Maybe you went to the Dead Sea. Say so some of you laid back and floated. You know how you can sit back and float on? Maybe you took and put your hands in the mud and you put it all over your face and your body. Some of you are like, what? Yeah, it's supposed to be very good minerals and nutrients. It's like a, I don't know, what's that called? A face mask? Whatever it's called. You put that on you and it's supposed to be. And people uh, like, you know, you hear in Hollywood, they order the stuff and have it brought into them. So they can keep their skin glowing and all this stuff, right? And maybe they're thinking it's like that or something. We do see it today, don't we? I mean, they, they order the products, they get the stuff, and it's, it's going to give them their, it's going to make their face look like they're 20 years old when they're 90 or something. I don't know. But this is what they're, this is what they're believing, okay? So we can't go, well, that doesn't happen anymore. We see it today. I just saw a posting in the news saying, we just found some herbal ingredients that is the fountain of youth. And you can go back and take these things, and it will make it, it will undo the aging process. <laughs> so I'm laughing. I, maybe there's some truth to some of those things. Vitamin K is good for your skin and all that. But I'm laughing because I'm thinking, 
God didn't promise that. God promised that my heart and my spirit, my soul specifically, is going to be resurrected to him, and I'm going to get a glorified body. He didn't say anything about my body not breaking down this side of heaven, right? It's, a, it's, it's temporal. It's temporal. And any of us with glasses, hearing aids, canes, walkers, back braces, that glorified body can't come soon enough. So we read, after there was a feast, we don't know what feasts this were, we're not sure which one of the three, but it does tell us something. We know that by the law, they were commanded, all the people were to travel back to Jerusalem during one of the three feast days. So Jerusalem was packed at this time. All these people around, a lot of people watching, and it says, Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and now in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, okay, um, a pool, which was called in Hebrew Bethesda, okay, um, that means uh, the house of mercy. That would have been a translation in the Hebrew. It would be either the house of mercy or it would mean in Hebrew a house of pity. Either one if you're taking notes. And it's trying to draw our attention, okay? If you were over in Israel today and you did a tour, you would notice this and above it, it would be called the lion's gate, it would be identified as the lion's gate. The reason it was called the sheep gate is because if you remember when they had the sacrifices and they would bring the sheep in, this was the gate in which the sheep would be brought through into the temple for sacrifice, well, not into the temple, excuse me, into the court for sacrifices that way. So they would use this gate. It was brought there. Um, it was, they were brought, they would bring the sheep to this gate for the sacrifices. Isn't that interesting? He's going by the sheep gate. Having five porches, in these days lay a great multitude of sick people. So some type of belief by the people. Blind, lame, paralyzed, um, waiting for the moving of the water. Right at this point, I kind of have one of those things that kind of checks in my spirit that says, more information needed. Before I can truly come to a, a true opinion of what's going on here, I need more information. You know, you ever read passages like that and you're like, boy, I need to know a little bit more of what's going on because what I'm about to read doesn't necessarily um, jive with the rest of Scripture and how God heals and what he does. So more information needed, certainly. For an angel went down at a certain time to the pool and stirred up the water that whoever stepped in first, there's the competition, right? Isn't that interesting? Jesus said the first will be what? Last, and the last will be first. This is why I think it's cultural, less because it would contradict God, and he's not certainly going to do that. After the stirring of the water was made well, whatever the disease he had. So people would line up here because there was some type of hope. Whether it was limited or not, it was hope for them. I mean, if you had the diseases we're talking about, blind, lame, uh, paralyzed, there was no cure. There was no uh, pharmacia even in that day that you could take to help with your symptoms. This was the only hope they had. And they would literally wait there all day for the hope of just that water stirring so they could possibly jump into that. Just think about that for a minute. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity, a disease, suffering long term here, 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, knew that he had already been there in that condition a long time, he sees everything, he knows everything, God. He says, do you want to be made well? Now, if I asked any one of you this morning, maybe you've got Lyme, maybe you've got a debilitating back degenerating disc, maybe you've got some other issue here this morning, cancers, you know, uh, diseases, things like that. And if I came up to you and you're not feeling well, and I said, would you be like, you know, would you like to be made well? You would look at me a little bit sideways, wouldn't you? Because isn't it obvious 
already that you would want to be made well? Is there anybody that's going to go, you know, no, I'm really all about this whole disease thing. You know, I just think it's a good idea and I'm subscribing to it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go out intentionally and do things so that I can pick up that disease. Not a one of us. Not a one of us would do that. So this is a very interesting question, it's, it, but it's not a ridiculous question because whenever Jesus asks questions, often he's trying to draw the listener, the reader, the original audience to an understanding of something he wants to show them that they're not already seeing. And he wants to do that for this, inf- this man that's sick, this man that has an infirmity. He wants to reveal the reason, you know, because apparently this man being there like that, he's being confronted with something. I would say the first thing is self-dependence. I have to get in there. If I can get in the water, then I will no longer be sick. I'm in control of this. If I can do it, I'll be made well. There's a level of self-dependence, you know, a, a, a physical healing. I've heard people say, if I, if I won the lottery, I'd give 10% of it to the fellowship here because I love what you're doing. And I'm thinking... What? I, no. No. You know, one of these days I'm going to live in the lottery. Do you know statistically? I mean, do, we don't have time mathematically to go through it. I've calculated some of these things. I, I have some time on my hands. I'm interested in this and I calculate numbers. I like statistics, mathematics. But yet, every day, there are people that, in good um, faith, will turn around, and I use the word loosely, faith, will go out and buy a ticket. And I'm not knocking anybody who does. I mean, people do a lot of different things. But they go out and they buy the ticket, and they're saying, today's the day. And once I'm wealthy, as though they have the cultural capital to know what to do with that wealth. Do you know, statistically, most people, not just most, a very high percentage of number of people that win the lottery or come into a large sum of money have no idea how to manage that money. And within two years, I think it was two to five, I want to be accurate, two to five years have either lost or misappropriated, the, you know, not properly invested or done anything with those funds. Why? Because they don't have the cultural capital. What do I mean by that term? They don't, have, they don't understand. They don't have the, 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 bil- the ability or the teaching or someone else to come alongside and say, no, you know, save, uh, save some of this. Let not go out and all. You know, I, I, we have uh, families and different people in the fellowship do different things. We have somebody that's played, you know, in the NFL here, and they were sharing a story one time about how, uh, uh, you know, they do financial advising now, and they were talking about um, just, you know, when a lot of the rookies that get signed to these big contract deals in the NFL, they, you know, they want to go out, and what do you think they want to do? They want to buy a house or a Rolls Royce or one of these big, you know, cars, and he, he's always like, don't do that. Manage the money, you know, man, you want to go to a nice dinner? Okay, you know, but manage the funds appropriately, Right? Buy a nice car, something that's family, safe, good for you, you know. It's not going to hurt, you know, $100,000 or less. How about that? You know, you got $20 million. How about $100,000 instead of spending $500,000, right? That's practical if you have that kind of money, right? You know, but instead, they, this man didn't turn to God for help for his healing. He didn't trust or be content with God's answer. So when he says, do you want to be made well? He's respectfully and lovingly asking this man a question. And notice that Jesus ignores all the beliefs that we just read in verses 3 and 4 about how he has to get into the pool. He's not looking at any of that and going, oh, you want me to throw you in? 
Like, I'll throw you in. We'll get you in there. You know, I can help you get in there first. No. The sick man answered, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down. He, he thinks he has a solution. If you get me in there first, everything's going to be all right. What's the focus on here right now? The pool. What should be the focus? On the God standing right before him. Jesus. What's his focus again? Comfort. Instead of what? Instead of the will of God. He gave an explanation. Did you catch that? He gave a reason. He said, no one's there to put me in the water. Did Jesus say, do you want to be made well? He said, well, let me tell you why I'm not made well. Did you catch that? The man gives an explanation to the question Jesus didn't ask. Jesus is asking a different question to bring the man to the need or dependency upon him, God, to invoke salvation, to invoke a conversation. But the man is still trying to explain why he hasn't been healed. Still self what? Drawing back to self And Nobody's helping me. I can't do it. I can't win. Jesus said to him, rise and take up your bed. And immediately the man was made well and he took up his bed and walked. We have to give this man credit. He didn't go, are you sure? He didn't turn around and go, wait a minute. He didn't say, hang on, I got to really pray to get some faith here to do this. You know what he did? He simply obeyed. We can all do that. We can obey when God speaks into our hearts and into our lives. The power of God. Obey God. And that day was the Sabbath, the Shabbat. Oh, well, you know the Jews. Therefore, they said, and I mean in the context of the law, you know where they're going to come from, the religious leaders. And that day they said, who was it basically that cured you? It's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. It's not lawful for you to heal, and you're not supposed to carry your burdens on the Shabbat, on the Sabbath. This is not a law of Moses, is it? You won't find that law in Moses anywhere where you couldn't help somebody. That's not what God intended, or that's a misrepresentation or misinterpretation of the Scripture. And carrying a burden meant work. Because what the, the, Jesus told us, who was the Sabbath for? Man, so that we would do, man, women, people, humans, so that we would do what? We would dedicate oh, a, at least one out of the seven days to what? To the Lord, to rest, to peace with God. It was for man. It wasn't for the Lord. It was for man. It was for us. Actually, it was given as a sign to Israel at the time. That's why we're no longer under that, that uh, covenant commitment. We can fellowship multiple days a week, Wednesdays, Sundays, you know, Fridays, Thursdays. We can, I'd love to fellowship every day. Read the word of God every day with you. But what he says here is rise and take up your bed. And so immediately they, they don't, you know, I mean, just think about the hard heartedness. You got to be there. I don't care who you are. You see somebody that's been struggling 38 years. I mean, they're, They've been really diseased and, you know, whatever was going on with him, he couldn't walk. You know, the Lord heals him. You, you think for the man alone, you'd be so happy for him. You'd hug him, rejoice, be thankful. I mean, somebody that's been in that kind of suffering. And, and I know there's people here that have been suffering for a number of years with things that have happened in their lives, joints, back, accidents, different things that have happened like that. 
and to be suffering that long and to be so hard-hearted and cold-hearted to come up to somebody and be able to go, well, you didn't do that. You know, that doesn't line up with my understanding of the word of God. That's not, the law says you can't heal on the Sabbath. Where? Instead of acknowledging and being like, wow, praise you God, this man is well. The suffering is over for him in this regard. I mean, you got to be a real hard-hearted man, you know? How many of you remember that uh, every Christmas, you know, in our house, we watch that movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Some of you remember or watch that? We always watch it in black and white. We tried it for color like this last week. Like we, I think we tried it for like, I don't know, a few minutes. We're like, no, 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 got to go back to the black and white. Right, got to go back to the original. I don't know why, we just do. And there comes a part where um, George Bailey, he's in the, the building and loan. Remember that? This is not part of the sermon. I just want to be clear. This is, I'm not using the, you know, it's a wonderful life to give you an action sermon for scripture. But there's a point where he looks, and you remember Potter? He owned all the, he's well, but he, he, he just was a very bitter man. And he turns around, he says, that's your problem. You help people, they help them get on their feet. You help them, you give them, you know, a place. You, how do you know they can even pay that back? How do you, you know, he's really just digging on. Your, your dad was a fool, he said. His dad had just passed away there at that board meeting. And, you know, he says, eh, maybe too soon, but, you know, this was nonsense. And George Bailey turns around and he goes, Pa, you are just a hard man, a hard-hearted man. And that's what I think of the, the, the Jew or the religious leader at this time that would look at that man that was just made well. What kind of man do you have to be to be that bitter? I mean, that disgusting in your heart to where you can't even be happy because somebody's been made well. How cold has your heart become? You do know that's a, a disease of the last days, by the way, a cold heart. It says that the hearts will grow cold. They will wax cold as we get closer and closer. We're seeing a lot of that today. People destroying cities, people's businesses, people's reputations, their identities. All because they think differently or they have a different idea, ideology. You know, how many supermarkets and how many stores now are, are saying we, we have to raise our prices, not because just inflation, but because what? Because people are breaking in and stealing all of the merchandise and they have to raise their prices to compensate for that because certain cities have taken their law enforcement and put them on holiday or just let them go altogether. There's no order, no decency in order. First Corinthians 14, 40. Because when you turn away from the God, when you turn away from the word of God, as we just talked about earlier, what does it lead to? It leads to depravity every single time. It's not going to end differently. It hasn't in 6,000 years. And it's not going to start today. So here he is, he hears this, he obeys, but these men are hard-hearted and, and, and we're not surprised because they had the word, but they didn't interpret the word correctly. They were making it mean what they thought it should mean here. There was no love with truth. Pick up your bed. He answered them, he who made you well said to me, pardon me, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. He, he describes the miracle. The miracle that only Jesus could do, the only person in 38 years that could ever help him, the only one that could ever help us, God. Then they asked him, who is the man who said this, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn from the multitude in that place. And afterwards, Jesus found him, and I love this, 
Where do you find them? In the temple. Where's the first place, and oh, by the way, a good place, to go once you are healed that way? Church, fellowship, worship unto God. This man recognized whatever had happened to him, he knew it was supernatural, and he was going to the temple, and he was going to worship and glorify God because you couldn't explain it. 38 years, nobody was able to help this man. No doctor, no nobody. But God did. And the very first place he wanted to go, and it was a good place, it's a place where we ought to go, disciples of Christ, it's where we belong. We don't belong, and I'm going to say it, unless there's a reason we're a shut-in physically to ability or like this man, he couldn't walk. Okay, fine. But there's no reason for convenience to sit home and watch online. I know this is going to upset a lot of people here. Because I'm, I'm touching that little fiber in you that says, wait a minute, it's easier and it's more comfortable and it's more convenient. There's something to be said for us all to gather together and not forsake the gathering of the saints. It's incredibly important to build each other up and stir each other. This man had waited 38 years so that he could be in fellowship again. In the first place, he runs is to the church. You don't think he could have looked at those religious leaders that just did what? That were just bitter to him or to the Jews? That just said, Why am I going to go to God? I mean, they're mocking me, these religious leaders. You know, who did this? They're trying to, you know, accuse me of breaking the law. You don't go to church because of a man. You go to church for, to hear from Jesus. You go to church to be with like-minded believers. Because there's not a man that's perfect. There's not a man that's going to stand and sit in the pulpit. There's not a man that's going to be perfect. And if that's your measuring mark, you're always going to be disappointed. It's Jesus. See, you've been made well. Sin no more. And that gives a syndication or clue here to what's going on. He said, sin no more. Why would he just draw that out? Because that apparently was the reason for his infirmity. And he says, lest a worse thing come upon you. And that's really interesting. He tells us the reason here. But he also says in some way, this sickness that he got actually protected him from a worse thing. Have you ever thought about that? That God can allow a sickness or an infirmity or a disability or something like that to, have, to protect us from something else. God is good. You remember what he did with uh, the boys, the disciples, John 6. We'll get there in a little bit. Put him in a boat. Set him across the sea. He went up to pray. Because Peter and everybody out there about to king, crown him king as, 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 you know, Messiah there, right? Then in their spot. But that he came to die. He didn't come to be king at that. He comes a second time for that reign. And so what did he do? He sent them into the middle of a storm in the sea. And why did he do that? Was it because he was punishing them? No. It was to protect them. We really need to be praying a lot of times when we go through the storms of life. Lord, is this from you to protect me? Are you trying to keep me from something? How many of us have seen something where, you know, we're in a car, we're running late, we spill coffee on ourselves or spill tea or something like that happens, causes a two-minute, three-minute delay. We get in the car a couple minutes late, we're driving, and all of a sudden we see in front of us an accident. And we're, that could have been us. Or you miss a plane. Or in my case... I missed a train to go to the World Trade Center to meet with the attorney in one of the buildings that collapsed. And if I caught the earlier train, I would have been in that building and I wouldn't be with you right now. 
And my wife knows about that story because Parker was just a baby and she called me. I had one of those GSM phones. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be here that way by man's standards. But God knew. God knew I, what, what I was going to. If, if you're here, if God's cured you from a disease, if he's, you're here for purpose. It's not a coincidence. It's not a mistake or an accident. It's not just good fortune. God has every one of you here, every one of us here, as we've already described for purpose that way. Because had I got on that earlier train and just missed, or sorry, yeah, got on the old train, got there as normal for the meeting with the patent attorney, had I just missed that train with my buddy Tim, we were going to, and then we got down there, we're in the cab, and we're heading over from Grand Central to the trade tower, and all of a sudden it started snowing. And it wasn't the kind of snow that we've talked about that may come here. It was the ash from the burning building. And the cabbie turned us around. He got us back to Grand Central and got me on the last train out with a bunch of people. And it just so happens I had back then T-Mobile. Some of you know what that is. It's a carrier, a mobile carrier. And at the time, I can't remember if they were CDMA or they were um, um, GSM. I couldn't remember which one they were. But my phone worked, and almost everybody else's phone didn't. And people were falling on the ground crying because they were watching their loved ones perish as that building was going down. And all of a sudden, I heard my phone ring, and it was Lisa. She said, are you seeing the TV? Get out of there. Where are you? Because she knew I was going to that building. And I said, no, honey, it didn't work out. I didn't get there in time. She's got to come home right now. I said, no, I got to get my brother-in-law first. We got to go. She said, no, no, please come home, then go get your brother-in-law. I said, okay, okay. But my phone then got passed around the whole train. I don't know where it went. Because people needed to call their loved ones to let them know they were Okay. None of that was a coincidence that God gave me a phone that while every, all the other satellites that were taken down, God gave me a phone that could be used by all those other people to call their loved ones and let them know or say goodbye as that right before it was going to crash the other building, to say goodbye, one last goodbye. I, I just want us to understand sometimes, I know it's easy, we come back, and I'm closing with this, the, the worship team can come up, uh, musicians can come up. It's real easy when we look at the storms of our life and the difficulties, and so easy, it's, to, it's, it's convenient to want to pray those away. But very often, we should be thanking God for the storms or the, you know, sometimes the inflammation, sometimes the things that happen in our lives, the itises, because those very things are the things God is using us to protect us, to keep us dependent and close upon him. And there's many times he says, no, I remember our, our beautiful sister Jackie just, what, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, she came in, she said, I'm cancer-free. The doctor said, no way, a few years ago. And the Lord just did it. And there's no other way to explain it. They have all the x-rays, all the scans, everything to prove that she's cancer-free. Her numbers are all normal. God does that, right? Father, you are so good to us, Lord Jesus Christ. And to think that this man, Lord, he, he, was, he was seeking self-dependence. He was seeking all these things on his own. He had no idea what he really needed, but you did, Jesus. And your mercy and your grace flowed abundantly in spite of his lack of understanding, Lord. And God, I know you've done that in my life. I know you've done that in your children's lives here. And God, I know you want to continue to do that in men's and women's lives in this area, this city, Lord, the surrounding area, Lord. I know you want to do it through the state, all the states, Lord, Lord, the whole world. 
God, I pray you always lead us here. I pray we always stay very close to you and dependent on you. I pray, we, Lord, we thank you during the difficult times, whether it's the valleys, as we call it, or the mountaintops. But I pray, God, that we enjoy the journey for everything between time and in time. You're just a precious God. We can't even begin to comprehend just your goodness. So please receive this last song right now, Lord. Not last today. We hope to continue to worship you the rest of the day, but this last song from our hearts right now, Lord, we receive it to your heart, Jesus. We hear our prayers, all the ones that we've kept deep in our heart, maybe the things we're going through, the things we're struggling with, the hope we need. Will you build this bride up, Lord? Strengthen the body here. Protect your flock. Protect the church here that you've established. Go before us with the building. Go before us with the finances. Go before us with salvation, God. Go before us with discipleship. We need discipleship in these last days. Lord, allow your word to continue to speak into our hearts and deliver us from all evil, all corruption, and all ways of man. We pray and ask this in your mighty name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people with a thankful heart pray. Amen. If you're able, please stand and worship our Lord. If you're able.